Hello and welcome to the Manic Film Club. The film review show where we say things like, now I'm not saying that this is a super relaxed family, but if I brought three random strangers home for Christmas dinner with no warning, I wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast. I also have a secondary point on this. They are definitely a relaxed family because no one questioned that grandpa brought a young waitress home and then she kissed him. (laughs) Nobody questioned this. I'm Liam, I'm your host, and sitting opposite me still through the powers of the internet because of COVID, it's the lovely Tobias. Hello, people. Happy Christmas. This is a Christmas episode jingle of the Manic Film Club. Jingle bells. You leave what my bells alone, all right? <laughs> I won't until you, you get will. a restraining order. But you've talked quite a lot about the film already, but I'll tell the listeners yeah. what film we just watched. We watched Christmas with the Coopers, or if you're one of our US viewers, you, you shouldn't be watching us. That's weird. Because this is an audio. If you're one of our US listeners, it will be known to you as Love the Coopers. Yeah, but we got the better title, so it's cool. Yeah. Sam and Charlotte Cooper are determined to give their family the perfect Christmas. But secrets, both big and small, threaten to dampen the good cheer. Cast Ed Helms, John Goodman, Diane Keaton. Director Jesse Nelson. Isn't also the name of one of... The Little Mix members. Jesse is, but I don't know if that's Nelson. Is, is it? it not? i tell you what I picked up, and I didn't realise that there was a conscious effort. Because I'd already... I like it when I see people from other films... Yeah. ...in, in films together. And I was like, oh, look. So, Marissa Tomai's in it, and she's Aunt May from Spider-Man. And look, she's been arrested by Anthony Mackie, who's the Falcon. So that's a lot of... MCU. And then it was only yeah. afterwards that I found out that the writer is called Stephen Rogers. Oh, I mean... Yeah. And one of the characters is called is, Bucky. It's all over the place. I know. I, I liked over that. over the place. Oh, and just confirm, yes, Jesse Nelson is a member of Little Mix as well. And I'm assuming <laughs> it's not the same Jesse Nelson. I can tell you it's spelled differently. I can yeah, tell you it's yeah, spelled Jesse Nelson is, is actually really annoyingly spelled from Little Mix. It's just J-E-S-Y. But hey... We're not here to review Little Mix. But coming soon, the Manic Little Mix podcast. I've seen Little Mix live. <laughs> good live? Uh, well, when I saw them, uh, they had just won the X Factor because I saw the X Factor tour. They're prime, so they should be good then. Yeah. I mean, th- they were special as in they got a whole four songs to sing. Whereas then you had some other people that came second or third, they had three songs. And then you had other people who kind of come lower down the ladder who just had the one. So if you didn't enjoy them, that was good. They were done quite quickly. But Little Mix were, you know, obviously the the top lining thing because they'd won it. So. And if you'd like to hear more of this Little Mix chat, subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon for the Manic Little Mix exclusive one shot. <laughs> yeah, where if you actually uh, get the extra, extra exclusive bit, there'll be four ba- Badgers who actually dress up as Little Mix. <laughs> and, and they'll do some of their top hits. I actually think that they're better than the original Little Mix. Their rendition of Black Magic. They're very talented cool. badgers. <laughs> Just going to cough, bear with. <coughs> it's coughing, ladies and gentlemen. That's exclusive content. Exclusive content. <laughs> we might we might even keep that in for you non-paying types. <laughs> so, yeah, we watched Christmas or Love the Coopers. We'll say Christmas with the Coopers. Yeah, because that's what we technically watched, isn't it? Because we had finished our lineup of Netflix originals that we were watching. Uh, But we decided to end the season one with the Christmas episode. This is a Christmas episode special. We needed a film that neither of us had seen. Yeah. 
And we it were going to go for Christmas Chronicles, weren't we? But I think you said you'd watched it. I have watched it. I watched it last Christmas. Oh, same time uh, I gave you my heart. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on, ladies and gentlemen. It was a fun right. So this particular film has a lot of different stories going on, but it's all centred around one family. It, it, it felt very Love Actually at times. It did. And I'm going to say that bodes well for it for me because yeah. I love Love Actually. It's my favourite Christmas film. So I won't go in, we won't go into every single plot development. No, we do that too much anyway. And yeah. This has too much plot. But you <laughs> have to tell you the little aspects. Yeah. Because there was, I don't know if it was just me not paying attention at certain bits, but I didn't know until later how it all came together. Right. For instance, um, you've already mentioned it in your little introduction. The, the granddad in it. Yeah, who wasn't uh, like one of my favourite characters. Uh, he's the guest, not guest, he goes to a, like a coffee shop yeah. and he's quite taken with the waitress. Uh, so he's played by Alan Arkin and the waitress is Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. I didn't get that he was one of the Coopers. I didn't get that he was one no, of the Do you know what? I didn't stray away until he meets up with Ed Helms' character. And then it's then I think that's the point they're like, He's one of you. He's one of the family. Yeah. They hadn't mentioned it. I think it was no. meant to be like that. Because to be honest, from what I remember, and I could be wrong, isn't she one of the first characters we see? Oh yeah, she's like yeah. one of the first people we focus on. She's and she's not, not one of the Coopers. <laughs> she is a randomer. No, but in all fairness, of people just bringing random people to a Christmas dinner, I wouldn't mind if someone brought Amanda Seyfried. I'd be all right with that. I'm like, you know what? Good on you. Good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, but, yeah. it was just an odd one because. Obviously, Alan Arkin is an older gentleman, yes. and he does just randomly bring this young waitress over, and nobody says anything. No. So basically, him and this waitress have built up a connection, uh, but she's leaving, and she hasn't told him, but other people in the, the coffee shop know, and he's very upset. Oh, he by the fact that he hasn't. Oh, yeah, he walk, He storms out. He pays. He's not Oh, yeah, he's, he's not stupid, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's he's like the the granddad, if you were. Yeah. Um, now, the, uh, what I'd say is the head of the family or the centre of the family are uh, the the, the mum and dad. Uh, so, Alan Arkin's daughter in it, Diane Keaton, and she's married to John Goodman. And I will say, uh, John Goodman was my outright favourite character in this. He, he generally, I love John Goodman. Always yeah, have done. I do. Always have done. Um, and but for being the the centre of this family, who are the ones who are going to host the big Christmas dinner for yeah. all the generations things whilst they love their family dearly they might not love each other anymore and no, they've been uh, together like 30 40 years haven't they? that's kind the of, crux of their particular story is that after christmas they might be going their separate ways yeah uh, but he's promised her that he won't they won't mention it and they're going to have this last happy christmas uh so there's a very nostalgic look because they remember how they got together and all that kind of stuff mm. through the course of the film um now, again, already mentioned her. Uh, Diane Keaton's sister in it, Marissa Tomai, um, who is obviously the other daughter to uh, Alan Arkin's character, she gets arrested. Her, her plot line is basically her getting arrested for stealing something in a store. And she makes, I guess you could call a connection with yeah. the policeman, who's Anthony Mackey. Yeah, he and I will get... say I was waiting for them to crowbar him in at the hospital or towards the end of the film. Yeah. I was like, if it's like she was walking through and he's just like, oh, I'm just here at the hospital now. Let's let's fall in love. That was a, a step, like a, a trope I was really hoping they didn't do. And luckily they didn't. 
they didn't because right now our assumption is that if you're listening to this you've seen the film with us yeah uh, not physically with us again. That'd be weird. Uh, in your second, what are you house. doing in my house at two a.m.? Yeah, um, but they do kind of put on the thing that uh, Anthony Mackie's character is maybe gay. Yeah, that seems to be where that's going. Though he seems to be quite resistant to the idea, and she basically is playing counselor, even though she's the one who's been arrested. Yeah, she plays counselor to him, and that's sort of their little exchange. And I will say she deserved to be arrested because there's nothing subtle or clever about just putting a large brooch in your mouth. I know, not but even subtly. I mean, I to be fair, I've never shoplifted in my life. I wouldn't have ever thought about putting something in my mouth. I just wouldn't have thought. Of it. <laughs> so no, I don't know. Especially, well, especially not a large brooch, and especially not in COVID times. Well, that's, yeah, but that wasn't in COVID times. The film wasn't uh, made in COVID times. Maybe actually she's patient zero and we just didn't know. This film was 2015. Yeah, real, a proper patient zero. Yeah, pro- minus one, if anything. <laughs> point, point 0.5, if anything, yeah. Now, so she's the aunt yeah. to the family. Uh, right, John Goodman and Diane Keaton's children. Uh, their son is Ed Helms. Uh, to actually, I would say, for actually quite a big name, I don't think he has that much story in this particular no, film. he really doesn't. No, and I actually uh, think he comes across as quite creepy in some of this film. Well, I'll come back to a bit of that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so he's got his own family. He's got three kids. He is actually now divorced from his wife, although she's at the Christmas dinner. Yeah. Um, not that you'd want her to be, because she doesn't seem the nicest of people, to be fair. No, and also, they're clearly going through a very rough breakup. Yeah. They're, they've separated, and it's not, an, it's not a pleasant one. No. Uh, they've got three children. Uh, the youngest... He basically had the day out with the grandparents. Yeah. Uh, but their eldest is played by Timothy Chalamet, uh, who's very popular at the moment. He's he's all the rage at the moment. Yeah, this is the first uh, time I'd really placed a face. I've seen him in other things. I think he's in Ladybug, Ladybird, whatever that's called. Um, he has a way bigger story than his dad in it. Because he, he's basically got a crush on yeah. uh, the girl who works in the mall. Uh, and then his little brother... Well, I don't know if he's... A, annoying or quite cool i don't really understand the brother <laughs> the little brother who's basically just following him yeah. um but no so timothy chalamet's little love interest story ha- has way more interest than ed helms oh yeah yeah uh then you've got ed helms's sister uh who's obviously the daughter of john goodman and diane keaton uh she's played by olivia wilde she basically starts talking to a stranger who she invites back to pretend to be her boyfriend because yeah. that happens. In yeah. fact, I wrote a sim. I wrote a similar storyline once in one of my plays. That's how you, you made your entrance. That's true. <laughs> I will plays. say actually, because I mean, I like the majority of this film, but like, I like John Goodman because I felt I always feel that John Goodman is very authentic when he when he does serious stuff. Yeah. And I, I believe, like, there are times where he got upset and I was like, oh, no, no calm yeah. down, mate, it's fine. And I, I actually really got into the, to um, Olivia Wilde's character's kind of story bit, like, the, the, when she's kind of walking back and forth through the through the um, airport, I'm in an arm about whether she should go talk to the guy again. And I, I quite like that. And I just like the police storyline, I like that one as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I got on board with it. Cool. Um, we also have, or have I, oh, there's also the granny. Fishy. She's actually John Goodman's aunt in it. Yeah. Um, I think that's most of the storyline aside from the dog. The dog's in it. Yeah. I, and I, I will say that Auntie Fishy, I think, is your outright almost comic relief for the film. 
she was does some weird stuff. She was, but at the same time, I wasn't drawn to her. No, but you know what? For the moment she came away. on, I yeah. My my thought was, oh god, are you going to die and bring everyone together? <laughs> you went the morbid route. I did. Yeah. But then I went, oh no, no, you're 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 old and a bit senile, that's and really that's going to be the route they take with you because right. you just lost it. <laughs> so basically, that's the rundown of the separate plot lines. Yeah, Liam, which of if you chose one plot line. As your favourite plotline, which would you go for? One Who are you plot... most invested in? Who was I most in? I actually do think I was most invested in John Goodman and Diane Keaton's storyline. I was like, the, 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 the mum and dad who are just trying to hold everything together but are crumbling. Yeah. Because uh, it was I, real? It did feel real. I think it was the most... Actually, all the film in its way... Even for like, there's some silly bits. Yeah, it was quite a real film, and I think you could yeah. get behind it, and you understood people's motivation. I think my issue with the rest of it, even and it's not, it's not an issue. Let's be clear with that. Was more of the fact that they all felt like they were rom-com tropes. Like Olivia Wilde met a random guy in an airport bar and yeah. basically fell for him. Trope, you know, uh, old guy bonding with a waitress. Bit of a trope. Yeah, you know, but not in a bad way because I think tropes aren't aren't necessarily a negative thing but um no the john goodman and diane keaton storyline it felt authentic and real and i generally felt bad when i thought oh no they they are actually going to to split yeah and to be honest now again we're going to assume you've watched it yeah so we're not going to treat it as a spoiler they don't split at the end no, I, and think... I, I wouldn't have been able to guess that either i wasn't sure which way they were going to go with it but i think that's what was good in that if it had gone either way, I think you would have accepted it because yeah. they'd made the decision that they were going to split. So you were watching it going, this is everyone's last Christmas. Yeah. But then them staying together kind of, I mean, it gives you the warm little fuzzy thing. Yeah. But it didn't feel unrealistic. You didn't kind of go, well, of course, everything's turned out all right in the end. Yeah. It doesn't have that feel. Oh, yeah. I didn't find. Not for them anyway. I no, felt no. Because they did, especially him. He very much, considering he's the one who's technically leaving. Yeah. He's the one who goes down memory lane and remembers the first time they met. You know, he's the one who's getting very nostalgic about it all. Yeah, I think the thing I liked about their storyline is it wasn't super predictable because you didn't know exactly how they were going to end it. Like, going back to Olivia Wilde's thing, I kind of, the moment she started talking to a guy, I was like, you're going to somehow fall for this dude. Yeah. It was pretty. But even they kind of led with that. Though, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a twist in the tale for it. I do quite like, right. So she's taking, as you said, these these people just randomly bring strangers to the Christmas dinner. And no one bats an eye. My yeah, it's just kid. like, okay. Uh, I do like the fact that he flips it around and says that they've been, they're engaged. Because that's yeah. one step further than she was intending. I quite like that. But also the fact that he clocks quite quickly when they have to go to hospital. Mm. That she's having an affair with the married doctor. Yeah. And it was just like, okay. You know, but the thing is that's showing that he's already, he's already getting to know her quite well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would actually say, unfortunately, that that storyline was my least invested one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I think. Okay. Well, no, I'd probably say my least invested one was whatever Ed Helms was getting up to. Even though I like Ed Helms, his actual storyline was pretty much nothing. 
It was nothing. But I think the reason, like, Olivia Wilde's storyline was one of my favourites was actually because it was one of the more entertaining. Yeah. Because it was just... But it in a way, that kind of pulls it out of the authenticity of it. Um, but no, I fully agree. Ed Helms' story almost didn't need to be in it. No, I he... It's because, right, it's almost like the story skipped a generation because you had the grandparents. Yeah. But then you went to the kid trying to get with this girl. Uh, and actually, Ed Helms was just a connecting tissue. He was just the son of one and the father of the other. Yeah. Although yeah. this is when you said about him being creepy at the end in the hospital when they're all having a dance and he starts dancing with Amanda Seyfried. And I'm like, no, you, Do you know, the thing is, and I will say. Another thing, I guess, from the moment the film started. Because, oh. literally, they, they the first time you kind of get introduced to him, he's lost his job. And it kind of, it does a, like a, almost like a, a little montage thing of, he, he was a, like a mall photographer, wasn't he? Families came in, and they took a, pic, took a picture, he took the picture and gave it to them. And he'd basically been replaced by an automated computer that did it. Oh. And the thing is, they did this thing where they flicked for a load of families that he was taking pictures of. And one of them had Amanda Seyfried's character in it. And they even said, and one one girl caught his eye, but he'd never see her again. And I was like, you're going to see her again, and somehow you'll fall for each other. But It was a little bit too... If anything, that was too forced. Honestly, though, there's more connection between Amanda Seyfried and Alan Arkin yep. <laughs> than... Um, it, it, that did feel forced because I don't see a realistic way for Ed Helms and Amanda Seyfried to be together. No, it it felt weird. It felt unnecessary. Yeah. Um, yeah, very strange. Uh, I did actually like the Amanda Seyfried and Alan Arkin story. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, I do have a thing, though. I think that Amanda Seyfried is just basically good in whatever she's in. She's a She has a likeable kind of aura about her, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah. Um, It'd be I... interesting to see her in a film where they make her, like, absolutely unlikable. I, I don't I think that's not... Well, technically, they... No, I suppose they haven't. Nothing I've seen has made her unlikable. But there's that's a new, thing. There's a new it? thing on Netflix called Mank, which she's the main actor in All it. All right, okay. I'll give that a go, too. Um, but, yeah, I... Um, I... Yeah, I liked Marissa Tomei and Anthony Mackie. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was interesting. Although, at the same time, that is one of the storylines I think you could have left out. If yeah, that had easily. been in there, you wouldn't have missed it. No, because it doesn't really add anything to it. She's late no. to the dinner anyway, and it doesn't really bring anything to the table, literally. Including <laughs> including him. He's like the only guest star who doesn't get invited back. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was surprised that they didn't force him in later on somehow. Yeah. Like she runs into him at the hospital like as a security or something. Maybe I'm, that would have been one step to... to I'm glad they didn't, but it was a trope I was waiting for. What I liked, and I do think that this is quite realistic... Because I can relate to this when you're entering the family environment that maybe you've not yeah. been in. Um, I've spoken before about, well, actually, I don't know if I've spoken before on this particular podcast. I'm sure I have on the other podcast. Um, I'm 40 now. But when I enter my family home, somehow I end up being a teenager again. Yeah. And I like the fact that when she does, even though she's been through all this stuff with the guy, and she's it's kind of made her think about how maybe she values her family and she wants to be there and all this kind of stuff. But when she goes back 
and she enters that Christmas home because she's late because she obviously got arrested. Yeah. She can't help but revert to how she always is. Yeah. And I like that's good. She did. She didn't do that. Oh, everything's better now. I've. She's not that Scrooge thing. I've learned now a she's Christmas happy. lesson. Yeah, it wasn't. She has. She understands herself. Yeah. But you yeah. can't quite break out. Of she, it. she instantly makes a dig about the fact they've all started their food. Yes. You know? And then she and put the like, kids' yeah. table. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but as I, the mum rightly says, these guys brought guests without telling me, so there's no shares for you now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the weirdest thing that gets me. Because it is quite a realistic film. And there is no even remote batting of eye of eyes that they they've just brought people home. Yeah. Honestly, I mean this might be just very British of us. But if we were around the table and someone just brought the stranger back, you would yeah. look no. No. Go away. I mean I've had I've had like people who aren't family come around on Christmas, but one, not generally for the meal. And two, it's always been a pre warned thing. Yes. You normally make plans for Christmas. It's not yeah. a last minute. It's normally like if I'm working a job and like I'm close to one of the people and then it's like, oh, they're on their own. I'm like, I'll see if they can come back for a few hours on Christmas. So they're not on their own. But it's like the the only one of them that makes sense is Olivia Wilde's character because she comes in and as like a new boyfriend. And then it's like, oh, we're engaged. So it's like I can get the parents going, oh, OK, welcome. But actually, the waitress is a bit weird. It's a bit of a push, isn't it, really? Yes. And also now this might be something I just missed in the film. Does she have family? Are they not expecting her for Christmas? No, I think that I think she made a point of saying that she didn't have any family up here and her family were where she was looking to move to because she was looking to go somewhere for a job, wasn't she? But I think she also mentioned on a passing thing that it was like closer to family. Okay. But still it's I, a I think push. she was pretty much out on her own, but it was a case of oh you can come back with me. Yeah. Um one thing the film did do quite well, I well say not quite well, it's not the right phrase. It was well, but it wasn't natural. Was they they did some like effects and like uh, cinematic choices, which weren't just your basic filming. For example, when uh, um, Anna Arkin's character comes back after his little outburst, he kind of follows her into the kitchen mm. of the the cafe, and they have a conversation. And the narrator says, because the film's narrated, um, um, the narrator says, and at that moment, uh, Ruby, which is Amanda Seyfried's character, sees. Bucky, which is Alan Arkin's character, as he still sees himself. And then when the camera pans back, he is now visually, we're seeing him as a young version of himself. Which I thought was actually quite a clever and interesting move. And actually, the, the, the film did these, like, out-of-reality asides a couple of times. Like, the little kid, uh, Bo, did it in the mall. When he when this yeah. the bully came up, he like he kicked he, him. It's what he then, would have done in his mind. Yeah, he kicked him and then did a runner, and then it was like that's not what actually happened though. Yeah. And also, like in one of the nostalgic things between John John Goodman remembers something, or she does. Yeah. But then the other one goes, no, no, it was like this, and we yeah. see it in both versions. Yeah. And I say this film is generally quite grounded, as in, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit okay. That's clearly going to happen, but it's it's not an artsy film it's no. pretty straight laced when it comes to its actual filming so the fact they made the choice to do some out of the norm things i thought was quite interesting right and i think that's probably a good point to talk about the narrator because you've oh. already just mentioned the narrator yeah because it is narrated really no uh it's narrated by steve martin yeah who i didn't work out who steve martin was until the credits right i will say i 
didn't, but I found out very early on in the film because oh. I was I was I, w- I went to look up one of the. Ah, uh, you, you looked things up, right? It, okay. I, I, and I will say I didn't. So, some of the previous film club films, I've sat and gone through all the trivia while watching it. Right. But it, normally, when it's a slower film and I'm trying to keep myself actually watching it, this was more of a. I was like, I recognise that person. Who is that person? And I can't remember who it was at the time. And it literally said what it is, and it kind of spoiled it for me. Well, I didn't realise until it basically came up at the end credits because I had a couple of times gone. Who is narrating this? Is this like one of the kids grown up and they're remembering it all? Because it was very and... clearly a different voice. Yeah, but no, no. It uh, Steve Martin was the voice of Rags the dog, and it yeah. turned out the whole thing had been from the dog's point of view, which, which... isn't believable because he was definitely not in the coffee shop. Yeah, and he had been arrested. Wasn't in, he wasn't in the airport. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but you know, we we just have to go along with the flow for that. But one. I mean, actually, when because obviously I found that out quite early on in the film, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but actually, it does make sense in a lot because the the times that the narrator—I'm not going to call him Rags—the narrator is talking about the family when they're around. That stuff is more in detail from the narrator. Okay. Actually, when he's narrating something that's happening, like you're watching it and he's talking about it, it's not just like an introduction to a scene. The time when the family are visually on screen around the dog, it is more in depth. All right. And actually, okay. it's that case of knowing it before watching it. It was like, okay, I spoiled myself here, but actually, it gave me another little level because when they were like in the family home and like it was just the the it was John Goodman and Diane Keaton like arguing and and the dog was just in the background, mm. not part of the scene apart from when it ate the mashed potato. Yeah, which it's they still like. served. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. That was for her. Yeah. The dog went to the potato and it was ruined for him. He just found it funny. Yeah. John Goodman was like, "It's funny, can't you see? It's funny." Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of the but, problem they're having. But yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I I think the fact that watching it back, if if you do ever rewatch this film, when it's a scene where it's in the family home and they're around the dog, actually keep an eye on. You know those films where it's like, if you watch it back, there's something in the back of every scene. It's almost like that with the dog. And it yeah. makes sense when you that it kind of reveals it. Obviously, the rest of the stories don't, because he doesn't know that. Yeah. You know? But uh, you have to assume that he's telling the story as a throwback, as in, like, he's telling it from the future. And and he's heard their conversations about what's happened. You know? Yeah. but Because um, the, the way they reveal it pretty much in the actual film is they're all... Because it ends in the hospital because the that he has a stroke doesn't he is it alan arkin's character has a stroke or something like that i'm not sure if it's a stroke or a heart attack or yeah basically he has an episode of some description yeah um he basically the lights go off come back on he's face down in his food very stereotypical um and they rush him to the hospital and that's when the weird kiss happens between him and uh amanda seaver's character but i think that's more of an emotional thing it's clearly not a romance thing. No, it's not uh, a romance. But um, it obviously, then, it she, ends... then she goes yeah. for Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then it, it kind of the family story kind of closes off in the diner area of the the hospital, and the family kind of start dancing, and they, they basically finish their story. And then it cuts back to the house, and then it cuts back to the house, and the narrator is kind of closing the story off, and then it starts kind of panning towards the window. And start saying, you know, oh, everyone's got a story like this. Some families do this at Christmas. And it shows different windows of families. And in the window of the in each window, there is a dog. But I like the fact they didn't choose to, like, focus on the dog and have the family in the background. They showed a generic shot of the window where you could clearly see the family. 
and you could just see a dog sitting in the window looking out as well. Yeah. And then he was like, and that's my family will be back soon. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You are right. It is like, yeah, but how do you know everything? Yeah. But it was. It didn't feel like, oh, that's stupid. It, <laughs> no. Because it, uh, I mean, it was a charming film. I, I didn't have the yeah. forewarning that you did. Because I, I try not to look at things yeah. that are going to spoil me while I'm watching it. Uh, like you, yeah. it's only really if I'm struggling with a film. That yeah, I need it's to almost like a way to hook yourself in, isn't it? Yeah. Because I say, having found out that he played Rags the Dog very early on, I was wondering how they, if they were going to reveal that, or if it was just going to be a case of, in the credits, he would be listed as the dog or something, and then it'd be like it would be like an unspoken thing. Yeah, but the, the you get in basically the last scene that it's the dog, and but I didn't know, I didn't realize Steve Martin was the voice. Which is quite well, no, unusual. We, we mentioned off cast, didn't we? That actually yeah. he doesn't sound Steve Martin. No, it's not over the top. It's not that Steve Martin's very over the top. No, but, he but has, he's got a recognizable he has voice. A recognizable, yeah. exaggerated voice. Yes, um, but maybe that not... was a choice to make it understated. I think so, so but, and I think it was a good choice because the thing is, if you said to someone, "On you, can you voice a dog?" And I think the key is he wasn't voicing a dog. He was voicing a narrator, which happens to be a dog. Yeah. Because if you went, you're you're um, narrating a dog, which is also the narrator. You'd have gone a different way. You'd have probably maybe made it a bit gruff. You might have even risked going Scooby levels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But so yeah. the fact is, I think you have to look at it as a narrator. I mean, when it's credited, it is narrator slash rags the dog. And I think in the characterization, you can see that. Um, we've mentioned cinematography because I say it's a generally quite grounded film, but they do do some special things. Is there any kind of thing of note? You, any other bits that kind of caught your eye? Because I, I think it was a very visually nice film. It, it's, Christmas films normally are, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, even though it was full of snow, yeah. and therefore it was very cold, it was a very yeah. warm film. They made... The thing is, because it, it's set in America, Yeah. It obviously, America is very big, very larger than life with a lot of things they do. And Christmas is one of those things where they really go in. Yeah. Um, so it makes no. This makes no surprise. I'll try to say that. In a, in a, <laughs> I'll try talking's good. Um, it comes. No, it's no surprise that there are Christmas decorations everywhere. Um, but it feels right. It's not like force or in your face. Um, it's a surprisingly colourful film, despite the fact there's a lot of snow everywhere. Yeah, which I liked. But I guess that's the thing. It's a, quite a nice contrast of. Yeah, pure white snow. Uh, you know, it's pure white everywhere. Yeah. But, because in films, you don't have that kind of yellowy, muddy sludge that no. we actually have in real life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, British it's snow. always pure, pure white, uh, quite thick as well. And um, they always get like ten inches, never yeah. less. Uh, it always settles. Always, always settles. settles. It, always did, it did snow here not long back. Yeah, but it didn't settle for me. Oh, no, see, I spoke to my mum as well. She said it didn't settle for her. Um, my mum said that, because you and my mum live in the same place. Yes. That she said that it actually only snowed for like 15, 20 minutes, half an hour there. Yeah. We and had then, snow solidly for six hours. And then on Facebook, I was like, why has everyone got gardens full yeah. of snow? Yeah, now, I don't I, have a garden. So I looked at my neighbour's garden and went, oh, you haven't You looked snow. into the path and you were like, well, you... <laughs> darn it, path, you look so normal. <laughs> but no, we... we yeah, it snowed like for six hours and it was blizzardy at times. 
And it really, because I, I started the day by my kids who were about to go to school. They were like, oh, it's snowing. I'm like, don't get excited. It won't settle. And then <laughs> I picked them up from school and I was like, oh, it's settled. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was an impressive film visually. I did enjoy, outside of the actual like dialogue, I did think it was quite a pretty film. But not in like a pretty, pretty, over-the-top cheesy way. For me, from a direction cinematography point of view, I haven't got any note, but I mean that as a good thing. Yeah, we've because, said it before, when you don't notice it, that yeah. is better, really. I was watching the story and the acting, and yeah. I uh, the music didn't stand out to me, but again, I mean that in no, a good way. I actually can't, off the top of my head, pick out any music. No. Um, I think, but that's good. Yeah. I think music should be background and atmospheric. If you can go, they use this song in this scene, I'm thinking you're probably focusing on the wrong element. Yeah. Now, like, what if, if you watch, Sorry, if you, you go. No, you go. I was going to say, if you watch it from like Elf, you know there are classic songs in there. It, it, it's part of the atmosphere because it's an in-your-face kids' film. Yeah. But this is not. It's very natural. It's very grounded. And that is really the way they go with everything. Yeah. Now, I read some reviews. Right. I don't know if you have this time. Um, I don't. I don't think well, I have. Well, you'd you'd have a note if you had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't got a note. Just that I took from it that whilst the initial reviews that I read were very positive, yeah. the overall score on IMDb isn't high. Is it not? No, and the critical reception wasn't great oh, okay. uh, because they said whilst it had potential. It copped out and just went with the mulchy happy ending-y kind of stuff. Whereas it could have done a lot more. Yeah. So they basically said it's a cop-out film and quite forgettable. Right, okay. I'm going to disagree with I it. think I would as well, actually. Uh, I've already stated that Love Actually is my favourite Christmas film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, up there for you. I don't know if this will become a film that I rewatch over and over again. But I actually, for a Christmas film, really liked it. I, it had the elements that I like in a Christmas film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not one of the most fun and funny films. No. No. Yeah, so, it's not. Laugh out loud. No. And I guess you would normally go for... I guess it depends what kind of mood you're in. But I actually think as a Christmas film, it's a very strong entry. Yeah, it is. It's got that nice kind of feeling, really, hasn't it? It's got a very, very classic Christmassy feel to it. And I personally do like the lots of different plot points. Yeah, I do as well. I think it's a good way to keep your attention. And I can almost guarantee, I know this is kind of giving away something that we do at the end of the, the podcast. Yeah. But like, I didn't spoil myself on the, the dog being no. uh, the traitor. So I do think that I am more likely to rewatch the film knowing that now. Yeah. I will say, having spoiled myself on that, it didn't in any way really lower the film for me it's yeah. not like because I, I, some films you find a detail out and you're like oh i'd yeah. like to experience that this was a small enough detail that it, it was i know he was a member of the family but it wasn't one of the main focals of the family that you were following like i was spoiling so it didn't like ruin the film for me no. but um no I, I can see i i see what you mean i do kind of i think i fully agree with you yeah i've just seen what the tagline for the film is love the coopers you can't re-gift family <laughs> I, I quite like that actually yeah 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 true so, i would say i mean if you're one of our american listeners and we have quite a few yeah so if you're one of them 
you had the rubbish title of Love the Coopers. Yeah, I just don't think it's accurate enough. I know the film is focused around love, but I just don't... I think Christmas with the Coopers is better because the whole point of this film is the mum, the mother and the father are trying to do a nice Christmas considering it could be their last one as a family family. Yeah. And actually, yeah. calling it Love the Coopers considering that the main couple aren't sure they love each other anymore. I know. I just... I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's a, it's a strong Christmas entry and one that I'm probably going to watch again. And yeah. which I can't say about a lot of Christmas films I've seen, no. to be honest. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's on the same level as Home Alone, which you've no. just got that classic status to it. Uh, yeah, it's an iconic Christmas yeah, film. I it? don't think it's that. It's probably just the next tier. You know, is that kind of you've got your absolute ones that you kind of possibly do try to watch every year or every other year. Yeah. This one's probably just a step down to that of going, oh, I've seen that. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay. Good cast. Good cast. It is. And it's a and it's a big cast, actually. Yes. And with the exception of Ed Helms, and I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying, but with the exception of Ed Helms, I actually think they do quite well at giving them all time. Because when you have a lot of cast members, it's hard not to to I actually think they were lucky to get Ed Helms for that part. Yeah. Because it's a throwaway part. Oh, yeah. Uh, But by actually casting Ed Helms, you pay more attention to it because it's one of the more recognisable people in it. Oh, completely, yeah, completely. Maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, maybe. Although, actually, probably... I'm going to try to look for something negative. Right. Just because, actually, I don't think I really have said anything no. negative about this film if you look at john goodman diane keaton ed helms and olivia waldman as a set of four because that's yeah. the cr- do you believe that as a family um i don't know i mean i could see her being i see olivia while being uh diane keaton's daughter maybe but i don't see the the likeness between john goodman no, I think at whilst I think John Goodman and Diane Keaton work together very well. Yeah, uh, he apparently wasn't first choice. It was meant to be Robert Redford originally. Mm. Um, and also, I read that Annette Benning was meant to be the sister, not Marissa Tomei. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I believe if if I do believe that Ed Helms is their son, I'm not yeah. sure I believe Olivia Waldman's their daughter because I don't no, think it I is believe a bit of Ed a mix, Helms and Olivia Waldman. It is a bit of a mix, isn't it? Yeah. And but, actually, I will say, um, Alan Aiken, who is meant to be the dad of Diane Keating, yeah. I actually think it'd be more believable for him to be John Goodman's dad. Maybe, but... He, I could see that. John Goodman already had Fishy the aunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good old Fishy. Good old Fishy. Uh, yeah. All okay. right. Do you have anything else you wish to input? No, no, I think... Okay. Right, then we shall move on to the rating element. Now, here at the Manic Podcast, we don't rate it on a big scale of like one out of ten or one to a hundred. For example, Rotten Tomatoes have rated this film only 18%. That's rubbish. It's actually the lowest we've had so far in all of the Manic Film Club. Um, But in all fairness, right, on that scale, everything else we've watched for the Manic Film Club was given to us on a list. Oh, that's true, actually. And they are like almost like award-winning big films. Yeah, but this was one that we just chose because we wanted a Christmas film. And clearly we have bad taste, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently so. Um, But no, so we don't use like a sliding scale. We simply say, is it a hit 
or is it a miss? Now, a hit is decided whether or not it... Let say that again. A hit is basically, did we like the film? Did we enjoy it? Would we re-watch it? Would we suggest it to other people? It's all round enjoyability. And a miss is the direct opposite. Sometimes we come kind of between the two, but it's generally hit or a miss. Now, Tobias, did you love Christmas with the Coopers? <laughs> um, I'm going to say... Uh, of all the films that we've watched for the Manic Film Club so far, yeah. it's one of the biggest hits for me mm. personally. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I would definitely rewatch it. Yeah. I'm even contemplating whether it's something that I could buy for my mum to watch. So, uh, well, that's therefore, the thing I'd is, re- it is a family friendly film as well. There's no, there's no like, Overtly sexual things in it. No, oh, I think she'd like it. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, family friendly film. I, I don't really have, as you've seen. I was looking for negatives earlier. Yeah, no, I can't really think uh, of anything to be honest. Yeah, I, but I, I think maybe. Now we haven't gone on to your score here. Out, tugged on the thing and it's attached to my head. Uh, <laughs> we chose this film. Now we didn't yeah. choose it knowing what it was. No, no, not necessarily. At all. But it wasn't on a list. No. Um. And I think we chose well, personally. I do. I agree. <laughs> Which kind of leads me on to my, my rating. Yeah. Now, um, I I do generally actually agree with what you said. Um, now, we said that this is very similar in the, the storytelling to uh, Love Actually. He's got multiple yeah. stories that kind of intertwine and come together. Um, this is almost like a, a non-outright comedy version of Modern Family. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, lots actually, of fun yeah. that have their own little stories that come together. Actually, um, to be honest, if if Modern Family did a Christmas film... This is what it would kind of be like, really. Yeah, really. It would just be more outright funny. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, we've, said, we've, we've, we've mentioned Love Actually in general podcasts a good few times. Yes. Because you do like really like the film. And I, I don't mind the film, but it's by no means one of my favourite films. And I actually think, for me, I prefer this film. Okay. I, I will say, watching this film, I really liked it. I got halfway through it and I was thinking I could see myself sitting down to watch this every year happily to the point of I might buy it even though it's on Netflix I might buy I might buy it yeah I mean I'm that's, not really, side, I'm that's not, the side of liking something <laughs> I'm not yeah and to be honest I'm not really a DVD person anymore yeah. I don't have space for them and I'd probably get told off for buying it because it's on Netflix um, <laughs> yeah. but the point is this is an outright hit there's no question of it for me I, I, I really enjoyed this film I got invested in the stories um, even with your um, like reality breaking moments of the dog being in the narrator, them showing the old man as a young guy, you know, it was fine. I really enjoyed this film. I'm happy I watched it. Yes, one of our better choices. And cool. I'm actually considering some of the more recent ones that we've seen that we didn't necessarily enjoy that much. I'm glad that we've ended season one of the Manic Film yeah. Club with one that we actually both liked. <laughs> Which uh, leads me on to my next question, Tobias. Yeah. What are we watching next, Tobias? Oh. Oh, oh, we won't know yet. We, we don't know. Because this is the last episode of the season. Yeah. We're literally breaking for Christmas, pretty much. Yeah, that's why you just got given a Christmas film. <laughs> um, but don't worry, that's not the end. The Manic Film Club will be back in 2021. Unless we fall out in between. Who knows? <laughs> it's possible, you never know. Falling out. It's, yeah. There's lots of films about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can't tell you what we're going to watch next. But once we decide, we'll let you know. Don't you? Don't you worry. <laughs> you might i tell you what if you're one of the patrons oh plug you might even have a say you might help decide yeah. 
what are we going to be watching next? Maybe, maybe, maybe. And you know what? If you do need your dose of manic people talking about film stuff, you should sign up to the Patreon. You because if you should. sign up to him as a middle tier for patron or higher, you get what we like to call the manic watch along. Yeah, you Which do. Is basically, when me and Tobias create our own version of director commentary. Yeah. We sit and we watch a film in, in real time and record ourselves chatting about it. Yeah. When technology so, allows us to. And that is fully <laughs> level two and above patron. Level two. Level two. But you know what? If you want to be stingy, which we don't encourage, we don't encourage. Don't be Especially screwed. Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, don't be don't be screwed. I like the fact we went the same way there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bear with. <coughs> but if you do want to be stingy and you don't want to dish out the the one pound twenty or something a month it is to be our base level patron, you could just get your news the way all the other standard people do by going to our Twitter page, yeah. which is at the manic with two ends. Very, Very important. important. And I say, other than patron, if you don't want to get through the paywall that is where we will be basically posting any news updates about anything that's coming soon really right now listeners i just need to cut in there because if like me you heard a little jarring he didn't say nudes there were no nudes on the disc but it is christmas (laughs) christmas nudes i was wondering what to get to buy us this year now i know that was not it that was not it (laughs) (laughs) they're in the post oh they're multiple they're printed because i want it to be special It's on a canvas. Do you know what? It's like it's like an intimate calendar. I'm holding some holly, but it's not covering anything. I'm just holding it. <laughs> it's a mistletoe. And yeah. It's mistletoe with, with a suggestive look on my face. Like, oh, you know, I'm on there. So, yes, you can check out our Twitter. We also have Instagram. It's not updated very often. That's my fault. Um, we do also have a Tumblr. Yeah. Um, well, I think the Star Trek article, which we mentioned in the last episode, was the last one to go up on there, wasn't it? Yeah, there's there's more coming. That's cool. That's cool. Um. I'm trying to think if there's anywhere else. We do also no. have a manic TikTok, which we are we are going to start doing more on at some point. I believe the manic TikTok will kick up a gear in the new year. Yeah, I th- I, the new year is pretty much the the time because the thing about this year is COVID has put a lot of dampers on a lot of things. Yes, obviously, for example, this series started midst of it all and we were planning on by the end of the first season to kind of transition over to a youtube it was meant to be a visual thing um, and that is still a plan for the future but obviously hey. we are we might we might this might just be the norm now we might be forever in lockdown i know we're not in a like full-on lockdown at the moment but obviously safety and all that yeah and the problem is whenever i'm around to bus i can't resist the urge to lick his face it's true um, which is so what i actually i created no covid just to keep him yeah, away from me i reckon <laughs> I'll be like, hey, Tobias, have you heard COVID's gone? He'll be like, no, nah, that's definitely still in him. Definitely still in. No, no I think I've got it. it. I think I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, Tobias, I think it's yeah. time to say goodbye. Happy Crimbo, people. Happy Crimbo. Happy Crimbo. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe over your Christmas. And most importantly, stay manic. <laughs>